So last night we uh, were looking at the results of the closeness of God. We were looking at the fruits that come out of our intimacy with God. And uh, if you remember a little bit, I mean, I know we were, most of us were so tired last night, especially myself. But if we remember, we were mainly three things that really come and they will become fruits in our life when we make the first step towards God. And we stay close in His arms. And it's like my, my grandson, when he stayed in my arms, everything changed for him. And what did he change? It changed his authority. Yeah. Every time we came close to God, our authority changes. Another thing that changes when we stay close to God is our capacity. And, and sometimes people don't realize how important capacity is. That's why Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, talked about the Spirit that works within us, that works in us. And when we allow God to work, in us and 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 I was thinking uh, I saw these two bottles I saw them even last night and I thought I'm gonna bring them but I forgot and what's the difference between because they both have the same thing inside they both have water inside and just consider this anointing so what's the difference between these two bottles the size and um, some people say well it's the same thing it's water well you know the difference when you really need the water I mean, you can, you can have, for example, uh, I put this, I know musicians love when I put coffee on their instruments, so I do this on purpose. <laughs> See, this is the same, it's water. And what's, what's the difference between this and the small bottle and the big bottle? It's capacity. And think about if you, are, we have this capacity when we go to Teen Challenge every day. And we go to Teen Challenge and we go like, okay. And you're really thirsty. It was water, it was great, but what's the problem? It was not enough, I needed more. So the capacity changes when we start the day. And I, I, mean, I mean the secret of life is when we consider today our last day on earth. And when we live our day like it's the last day of our life, and when we plan like we're going to live 500 years. But consider this, today is our last day on this earth. The Bible says our life is like a va vapor. And say, who are you? You're making plans, you're going, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to go in that city, you're going to make a profit, we're going to stay one year. We're making all this Plans, but the truth of the matter is life goes so quick and we have to live with that mentality that the Lord everything he has given us today is today so when we start the day we have to we want to have a lot of anointing we want to be when we go to in him we want to have anointing we want our capacity to grow and we talked about this last night and this, the last thing we talked about last night when we stay in the closeness in the intimacy with God was that we get fire we get passion. We don't grow old in a, and cynical. We don't go tired. Because when you're close to God every morning, there's something when you come out of that that it will just change you forever. Even if it's five minutes, if it's ten minutes, if it's half an hour, something changes in you. That closeness to God. And that's, those are the fruits of what it means for us to make the first step. Choose a place in our house. Choose a place in your office. You should have a place in your office. 
I intentionally bought a small little couch, not couch, uh, like a more relaxed little chair in my office. I have a lot of chairs in the office, but that one, it's called the place. I always, uh, when I have the next meeting, I go to the place. Somehow for me, it makes a big difference because it feels like, let's meet over there, we need to talk. I don't know what's gonna happen. This guy's coming, I have no idea what's going on there, but Lord, use me. Lord, give me your ideas, your plans. I don't want to assume I know. I don't want to just be the nice guy who counsels professionals or who gives advices and then they end up not having fruits from human efforts. I want to serve from a place of rest. I want to serve from a place of anointing. And I want to be a vessel in your hands where you pour your anointing upon other people's life. Not my ideas and my plans and my wisdom and my experience. Because that will never change anybody. That looks smart on me, but it doesn't change them. So that's when me, I'm, I'm putting myself on the first place. And that's when we all mess it up. But once we sit in that chair, we say, Lord, use me. That place matters. Then you open the word of God. That transforms us. And, and you know what's the problem with us as ministers? Because we're all ministers. We read the word of God mainly to teach others to give advices. And I was so, it's, it's like having water to gi- always give it to others, but never drink yourself. You're gonna thirst yourself to death, but you're gonna look good. You're gonna look generous. You're gonna look like, for how long? For very little time. Because we are not surviving without the living water. So you're taking the time, you stop and you say, Lord, just fill me continually. You read the word for yourself. You read the word like a child, like something, Lord, I want to I wanna learn from you. I want to, for my life. And whatever that comes from, that abundance, other people will benefit. Yeah. It won't be, it's, it's the, this, this is the order. It's inside of you that comes outside when you just open your mouth. So we're talking about these three things, yeah? And for me, I mean, that passage from the Bible, that image with Dennis, my grandson in my arms, it really helps me every day to realize how much I need the closeness with God and how much I need to depend on Him. Now, this morning, because we know the results and we know the fruits, we talk, we just, again, remind them now this morning. But how do we get? What are three secrets? What are like principles for a closeness with God, for an intimacy with God? Are they, can I do something about it? Can, what stays on the way? And as you study the Bible, as you talk to the body of Christ, you realize there are three, well, at least I, uh, it, it was, I had this revelation, there are three main secrets or main principles to a great intimacy with God. First one, you have nothing to hide. That's a principle of intimacy. Two people, husband and wife, for example, who have things that they hide from one another. You know what's the problem with hiding? Superficial. What is superficial? Relationship. Relationship is superficial. Every time you're not talking things that are deep and they're vulnerable, our relationship is going to be superficial. It's funny that we think God doesn't know our secrets. It's so funny. It's like almost like we're acting in prayer like, Lord, I want to thank you so much that you cover me in your grace and uh, you work in my... When we should I say, I messed it up, Lord. 
I just, I feel I'm miserable there. And I, and just to pull your heart in a way that is so genuine and to have conversation with your wife or the people so deep and so vulnerable. And when people say, well, it's hard to be vulnerable because something will happen. Well, what, what happens when we're vulnerable? Why are we afraid to be vulnerable? Micah says, loss, loss, lot, uh, loss of love. Why, how, that's the end result. First thing that we are really afraid to be vulnerable is shame. We are afraid that if I tell you what I feel right now, if I tell you my temptations, if I tell you what I did wrong, you're going to take me out of your heart you're going to be so disappointed, and that's actually, it's a study. Why people are afraid to really talk their deep issues. They are afraid that people will remove them from their heart. And that's like, we are so scared of that. But the, and it shows, and another thing that's really interesting is, how many of you, if you see me now being very vulnerable with my own life, would say, this is so cool. I like him, he's vulnerable. He talks about... Like, this is so cool. How many, uh, how many of you like that? And you consider that actually a strength. But what's interesting that when it comes to our own lives, we consider it a weakness. When we sit there and we say, now I need, it's my turn to be vulnerable. Go, I can't be vulnerable. vulnerable. I feel like this is a weakness. I can't really show. But when it comes to others, we, oh, this is great. It shows the spiritual warfare as giving for vulnerability. It's, it's the, and there is a powerful spiritual warfare. The devil tries to keep us hiding things. Whatever we have things, that, whatever we have things that are hidden in our life, they take power. They take over with power. We are weak. Everything that is hidden under the table has an effect on us. We become so, so weak. And the devil, the devil from that point, he can go in vacation. They go, okay, this is, this is fine. I got a hold of him. And the word of God talks about it so powerfully when it says that people, and two things, people who hide things eventually destroy their lives. Do you know that the word is very clear about this? People who have secret sins, who have hidden things in their life, they eventually destroy their lives. Psalm 20, 32 Verses 3 and 4. Here it's, here's what, how the Lord is just the, speaking through David's mouth after he did his crazy thing. It says, when I kept silent, when? So David did kept silent the sin. He was like hiding it for a while. He said, when I hide it, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For the day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped. My strength was shrinking as, the heat, as, is, as in the heat of the summer. Proverbs 28, 13, the first part. It says, whoever conceals or hides their sins does not prosper, does not grow, does not develop, does not blossom. 
And we all want to grow. We all want to go to the next level from glory to glory. It's a promise. We know that once we are with God, we're going to learn more. We're going to be from glory to glory, more wisdom, more anointing, more. But whenever we hide, that's when we don't prosper. It's interesting. One, one day, recently, guys, one day, I got this phone call. And uh, one of my directors says, man, one, one of our staff messed it up pretty bad. He, um, we can't find him. He, uh, we heard that he started taking drugs again. And this is a guy that personally I invested, a lot of people invested for five years, and he was blossoming. He was doing so well, and so many things were going so good for him, a new car, um, uh, like the family was behind him now, and it's, it's like things were going so good for him. He, he, he was known in his hometown as a terrible drug addict. Now the old town was like, this is amazing what God did in his life, and he messed it up. I was broken. I said, what happened? What happened? So, of course, you looking for him. We went after him. We looked in the city for him, and finally we found him. And of course, he was drunk, and he was high, and he was talking nonsense. Next day when he woke up, I got to talk to him. And you know what I found out? And he was so honest with me, so sincere. So, and he's, I said, what happened, Bogdan? What happened? Why did you went back to your vomiting? Like the Bible says, you go back to your sin like the dog goes back, eats his vomiting. My, my little dog does that. He, and then he just looks around. I'm like, Ugh, this, is, this is ridiculous. But then the Bible verse comes. That's you when you go back and you go, that bad? Yes, that bad. Because that's the image. That's, that's, it's a very cool image that the Lord allowed in his word. So I, I was like, what did it make you go back to the, to the vomiting? I always say that. Why, I always say when, when somebody sins, I always say, why did you eat your vomit again? So he said to me, um, I was feeling so lonely for a period of time. It's been like half a year. I really want to have a relationship. I wanted, I believe that God will give me a woman. Okay. He didn't give me a woman. Okay, and? Well, I, I like, I fasted and I prayed and I did a lot of things, but nothing happened. And he said, well, that turn, I, I, he, he isolated himself from friends now. Next step. Well, isolation is number one enemy, of, uh, number one weapon of the enemy. Yep. The moment, and you see that even in the nature. You see that even on the documentary on, like, you know, the, those lifestyle, like, not life, like a, wild animal, animal planet, when one big, huge, how do you call those animals with, yeah, bulls, and they, they are isolating themselves just to eat a little bit because the grass is better there, but they isolate themselves from the, and the lions from the herd, and the lions just come, and they just attack. Now, this is a big one, and they're never going to attack the herd, but they always attack the one that makes few steps. And so, so there is a powerful principle in, in, in staying connected with true friends and staying vulnerable. The moment you're not vulnerable, the moment you're isolating himself, the, the devil devours you. It's not, there's no chance that we will stand because 
the way that we are designed, we are designed to have true friendships. We are designed to really speak everything in our heart. And when we don't do it, we pay a price. Bogdan didn't do it. He starts slipping. Starts, first started with pornography. Then started with like calling his old girlfriends. Hey, how are you doing? I'm well. It's me for a coffee. And everything from there was like what? Spiral going down. And he lost everything. It was just a terrible period of his life for a few weeks. Praise God that, you know, now he's back. He re he's restored. Amen. He's really like. And one thing, we, when we talk, I say, Bogdan, what, what did you learn from this? He said, I was not vulnerable. Think about it, if Bogdan would just sit down and say, man, I feel so lonely. I feel that God is disappointing me. Why didn't he do it? Because I asked him, why didn't you tell me that you are disappointed with God? He said, what would you believe about me? What would you believe about me? That I lost my faith? No, you haven't lost your faith. What is our model of vulnerability? Who is our model of vulnerability? Who? Christ? When? Why is Christ, why is Christ our mo model, an example of vulnerability? Why? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Think about it and don't take this easy because this is a, we read it and we think, oh, so nice. He was vulnerable. He, no, everything the, the, the disciples knew about Christ from that, until that moment, you know what was? Oh, he's a powerful, he's a powerful son of God. When he speaks to the storm, oh, this is so cool. When he sees the blind, he's just like, ooh, touches and the man sees. And everything he knows, he heals powerfully. He's always full of power, always heals, always speak with power and wisdom. And suddenly, they hear something from Jesus. The Jesus is very vulnerable with them. You know what Jesus told them? I need to find what to, you know. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Are you kidding me? Everything your friends knew about you, you are powerful, you are anointed, you are so good. And now you're telling them, my soul, I'm overwhelmed. This sorrow, I mean, to the point of death. I, I feel like I'm dying right now of this sadness and what's going to happen. This is pure vulnerability. This is from our Lord. That's my model. And I realized, and believe me, I, again, I was raised in communism. You don't complain in communism. You're just like, somebody hits you, you go, mm, move back, let's go. Don't cry. Every time you cry at home, your parents say, you wimp, you don't cry in this house. <laughs> Did she, your, there is a system that develops in, in your body that your tears go like, you cry, don't, you don't cry, you cry inside. And you feel the tears going on the, your neck. And you go, because <coughs> it's stoic. So I, I, was, I lived in that culture. And even when I married, I was, I'm not a vulnerable person. I'm very, I try to keep face. I try to never really talk the way I feel about things with Oltitsa. So it took me years. And only the word of God changed me because when I read what Jesus did, and there was a, like a revelation, I was like, this is amazing. 
Jesus was so vulnerable. And how he did it, it was also fantastic. And we're going to look at it this morning. And let me read the passage where Jesus was vulnerable in one of the most difficult moments of his life, in the darkest night of his life. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. Now, this is wisdom here. Jesus didn't take all 12 because we're not supposed to be vulnerable to everybody. We're not supposed to get like right here, right now, and tell you what my vulnerabilities in the last few days are. I mean, that would be like weird. If you don't know me, you'll be like, wow, this, he needs treatment. Why is he here? <laughs> and because it's not, you know, you're not my friends. You know, and I like, I can talk to all teachers. So Jesus, you look at the principle, he picks up this, his, out of the 12, and out of the 70, he picks up three. Who are your three people in your life? Do you have one or two or three people that actually you can, whenever you, you go through a hard time to a dark night of your soul, you can call them? Do you have a person like that? And, and I, I challenge you to have, some, some people say, it's, it's my wife or it's my, also have somebody that is a, a friend of yours. Beside your wife and husband or husband, have it because there is a there is stuff that you talk to a person that you're gonna be, not gonna be talking with your wife the way you talk with your friend, and and you open even more and that's powerful. So Jesus picks up these three friends, and then he became deeply distressed and troubled. Isn't it interesting that the Word of God is not ashamed of how Jesus, the Son of God, felt? Think about it. There was only three of them, but now we read it. Billions of people read this. So it's not secret anymore. Why? Because in love, there is no fear. True love has no fear, the Bible says. When God loves us, there's no fear. And that's why it's so important not to hide anything, not to have anything that is hidden in our life. But sometimes people say, well, but no. There's power in vulnerability. He says, my soul, and Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with, my, with sorrow to the point of death. So clear. He didn't say, well, I really go through a harder time right now, guys. <laughs> just feels like, uh, just feels a little, rem- do you, did you ever hear this in counseling? When people really don't have clarity or, or not, they are not fully vulnerable with you. And they say, I feel a little uncomfortable. I feel that God is departed, like he's so far. Like he says a lot, but he says nothing in the same time. Well, when you see, when you read here, you see that Jesus is very clear about how he feels. That's vulnerability. You cannot, if you're really vulnerable, if you're really honest and sincere, because vulnerability, that's what it is. You live in honesty. You live in sincerity. You don't, you run away from something that Jesus said, you must run away from hypocrisy. You should do everything, but you, when it comes to hypocrisy, make sure that you're going to avoid it for the rest of your life. So it's hard to be honest, but think about this principle. He was so clear about his emotions. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. 
Another principle that we see here in this word is that although Jesus chose three, although Jesus knew everything about them, he knew them because he picked them up. He knew everything about their lives. He knew their limitations. When you read here, Jesus, not that he didn't, he didn't have unrealistic expectations from his friends. That's a trap that we have. We believe that we are, if we are vulnerable our friends, they should help us. They should give us the answers we need. No, it's not about that. It's not because people are like, sometimes when we're really vulnerable, they block. They don't even know what to say to you. They go, oh, wow. Um, uh, and then they come up with, well, the Lord will help you. It's going to be good. Like stuff like that. It, it's nothing. It's like all you want to say to your friends is shut up. That's all you can do right now. You're coming like it's going to be good. It's not going to be good. I'm like, I can't see any way out of here. Jesus doesn't even look for an answer. He doesn't even ask them, say, what do you think I should do, guys? He just asks them to pray. When I'm vulnerable, I, you know, I'm not vulnerable, so you give me the answer. Actually, when somebody's vulnerable with you, let me tell you, they're not looking for an answer. Yeah, we, we immediately, especially the Teen Challenge professional guys, we start, oh, the Word of God. If, if we know something, we go, let me, let me take you to the Word. The guy was like, you did not get this. Unfortunately, they, they're not vulnerable enough to tell you that. But that's what they think. They go, ridiculous. <laughs> Another spiritual one. I'm tired of this. That's why people get bitter with Christians. Because they immediately take the Bible and start, Last time I did it. This time I caught it. It fell and broke last time. It's already broken now, so it's good. <laughs> I broke it before I came here, so I don't be disappointed, you know. Yeah. So we immediately stop giving advices. We immediately stop telling them what to do. They don't need this. All you just sometimes all you do, and we talk this with our staff. What do you do when you don't have an answer? What do you do when you don't have an answer? I was sitting here during worship, and one of my interns wrote to me, he says, I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody. It's evening in Romania. And it's a, it's a friend of mine, and he asked me who uh, created God. And I don't know the answer, he said to me. It just happened like when, when you're singing the last song. What should I tell him? Answers. I said, I don't know. I said, tell him you don't know. What's the problem with that? Tell him, the Bible says we know in part. The Word of God says we know in part. And this is a foolish question. But don't tell him that because he's going to be like, oh, really? It's a foolish question? Now you're, you're, you're running away, you Christians running away from tough questions? No, the answer is like, I don't know. I am who I am. When, oh, that's all he said about like, my relatives. So I'll tell you everything about my past. I am who I am. Whoever wants to believe in God will believe it with that. That would be enough. Who doesn't, they will find a, ah, see, you guys running away from the good answers. Uh, it's good. 
So I just went on and I sent him back and said, go and tell him you don't know and all this. And we know in part and that, you know, you pray for him, that you'll have revelation of the love of God. And so we don't jump with answers. We should listen. And as they speak, we should start praying in the spirit. Lord, speak to him. And when you, when you really care about somebody, you really want them to have an answer. You don't want yourself to have an answer, so you'll tell him. Maybe the Lord will use you because you prayed for them to have an answer. Maybe. But that's not up to you. God uses whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Just be a humble and available vessel. Stay there. Start praying in the Spirit. Because when you look at Jesus, what he asked his disciple to do in the darkest moment, he says, you pray. And he knew them so well. And you see what happened after that. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. I mean, that's pure vulnerability. He didn't stay stoic. He fell to the ground. He was so overwhelmed. He just like, Lord, physically. And then he says, and prayed if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Did Jesus knew why is he here on this earth? He knew very clear. He knew this moment would come. He, he didn't act like he's this macho son of God. Like, you know what? I know this is my moment, Lord. I'm going to do it, Lord. But inside of him, he would be like this little boy. Like, ah! No, he didn't do that. That's gang. That's, that's life in, in the streets where you have to act tough so people respect you. When it comes to God, when it comes to, a, to a intimacy, spiritual intimacy, vulnerability, one comes when you really tell it as it is. And Jesus told us as it is, please remove this cup. Please take this away from me. And then he finishes with something powerful. Yet, not that I will, but what you will. Because Jesus knew, in spite of how he feels, in spite of his trouble right now, the will of the Father is always the best. And he realized that his emotions were strong because he was body, soul, and spirit. And he didn't, he didn't uh, suppress that, which we do. A lot, of, a lot of people, to look spiritual, they suppress their emotions. Is that true? They, they have to look spiritual, so they suppress their emotions. What's the problem with suppressing one emotion? You see, Jesus said he was overwhelmed with fear, and he didn't suppress. What is the problem, problem when we suppress a negative emotion? It will come back eventually, but there is even a greater problem than that. That's a, that's a bonus if it comes back. That's a bonus. There's a worse problem than that. Comes out in action. That's a bonus too. It's when you suppress a negative emotion, you actually suppress all of them. You cannot be selective on suppressing your emotions. You cannot say, I feel so miserable, so I'll drink five beers, eat five pizza, and I'll be okay. It's not possible. You either, when you suppress one emotion, you suppress all of them. 
and Jesus asked because he had the revelation of the Father and because he knew his body, soul, and spirit. And he lived a, a life with no sin because vulnerability is no sin. He wanted to make sure. So what, what, what is sin? To, to tell it as it is not is. Or how I forgive my English, Romanian English. It tells only a part like saying, well, Jesus, I'm a little afraid. Father, I'm, I'm, I'm really a little troubled with what's going on right now, but I know you help. No. He told this as it is because he wanted to live in truth all the time, even in the darkest night of his soul. You know what's lacking? What's lacking today in the church is men that are vulnerable. And I'm not talking about men wearing their sins on their T-shirts and talking with everybody about how weak they are here and there. I'm talking people who really open their heart with a friend and a partner. There's a lot of group accountability. I, I love group, uh, account, group accountability because it's like watching a cheap movie. It's like a soap opera. You, watch it, you, you find like 10 guys sitting in a circle. So how is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a little tough, but I tell you, the Lord came through here and you're watching and you realize this man and, and the Lord shows you some things and you go, oh, oh, if that man would only have somebody who can share his heart with, if that man can go in the morning waking up and go to Christ and tell him, Lord, I'm attracted to this and it's so bad. I just feel that this is killing my soul and it takes me away from you and this is no good, but I'm like, I can't get out of this. What do you think will happen? Because that's humbleness. When we do that to God, that's humbleness. The Bible promises something to the humble people. Grace. grace. That moment, there's grace that comes upon them. And, and everything is hidden in grace. Strength and power. And you raise up from that place. And for whatever reason, you don't feel that attraction anymore. You don't feel that crazy thoughts anymore because it's the supernatural power of God. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that covers us and it gives us the strength to keep going and stay faithful in little things. And when we sit in front of God, we'll say, well done, my faithful servant. Jesus doesn't hide his emotions does not isolate from his closest friend, and does not have unreal expectations from his human friends. He just asked them to pray. I love the, how, how, how the passage ends. He said, then, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. The people who was, he was vulnerable with shared his, their, his heart. They were like... <clears throat> Oh, Jesus is back. Oh, Jesus. We've been praying for you. Wow, uh, I just felt this like power over me while you were gone. And um, it's like this, you know, there are some, some, some friend of mine told me that there was this lady in his church that developed this spiritual gift. She was falling so hard when he was talking. She was falling asleep so hard. And she always loved to be on the first row. 
So my friend is preaching, and this lady sits here, and she's just like, <laughs> and he's like disturbing. And then suddenly he would be like, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then he would be like in the middle of preaching, and she would be like waking up with a hallelujah. She learned for her that became a little something that she feel, no, I'm not sleeping. I'm okay. Because, you know, we are humans. We don't trust. Yes, I tell you, but it's not like I expect you to really solve my problem. I go to God to solve my problem. I go to you to really share the burden and make sure there is nothing in my life that the devil can condemn me. Just last week, I had a friend of mine, pastor of a large church. He, he said, Whew, we discovered something with my executive pastor. I said, okay, what happened? He said he was involved with a woman 17 years ago. I said, okay, did he? Well, he didn't tell anybody. It was kind of like between him and God. Well, what happens is come up, that comes after you, like we were talking about. It will come after you. It will haunt you. Right when he was becoming so successful, the church is one of the most exploding church in this city. And it's like people coming and somebody just say, oh, really? That pastor, he was with that woman. Well, I repented. That was resolved. Really? When he came to this church, what was he supposed to do when he came to, to that church? To tell his friend and his pastor, say, listen, I want to be honest with you. I have, I've had, of course, you don't, you don't preach. Oh, me, I slept with a woman 15 years ago. Guys, don't do this. No, you don't say that. But to the pastor, you say, I want you to, I want to put my heart here. I want to tell you everything you need to know about me. If he would have done that, he wouldn't have been let go because he was let go a few days ago. It would be like, God bless you. Because the perception, what was the perception? He hides things. And the accuser of the brothers, what does he do? He comes and he says, oh, you've been hiding this? Oh, I have a specialty. I bring things to the light right when you are the most successful with the Lord. That's why it's so good to walk in vulnerability. That's why it's so powerful to really have friends that you speak everything. Actually, after this, uh, this situation, one of my best friends was going to that church as a businessman he calls me and uh, he's an anointing man of God <laughs> and he calls me and he says I freaked out man I said what happened he said you're my mentor and I realized that one day if something will happen right when I expect the least the devil will come and expose the secrets of my life I was like, okay, so tell me the secrets now. And he's like, oh, okay, this is what, you know, when I was in high school, and he starts confessing. I'm telling you, he was so free after that conversation. He didn't change my opinion of him. I love him. He didn't change his anointing. Actually, if you ask me, it increased. He didn't change his authority. It increased. He didn't change his capacity. Oh, yes, he did, but in a good way. Didn't change his fire. It grew his fire. It's just like now he's like, yeah. So one day he's come, oh, devil. Because whatever is not, it's hidden, he's going to bring it up. 
If it's not hidden, he cannot. He lost its power. It's forgiven. It's, it's how do you call it? Confessed. It's thrown away in the sea of forgetfulness. Then you keep going. That's why it's so important to not carry things. And remember the, the, the prayer of uh, Paul in Ephesians 3? And I don't know if it's verse 18 or 19 or 20, but he says that may Christ dwell in you. You know that, what that word is, dwell in the original Greek? Means that you allow him in the most intimate place of your heart. Dwelling, that word, it's an image of you have all the doors of the house unlocked, open, wide open, and say, Jesus, also in the closet. That's dwelling. It's not really like in the living room. It's not like in the, in the guest room. Or, or in the courtyard, or at the grill. It's in every room. You dwell inside of me. And, and you allow him to do that. And how you allow it, it, there's nothing hidden. And there's so much power into that. Because we all want authority. We all want to have a lot of authority. And we all want fire. But the secret or the principle of that, one of them, one of three, is nothing to hide. Be vulnerable. Let's do something with the few minutes we have left. Take your time. Do you have something to write down? Everybody has a little. Because this morning I had this image with you writing some things down. I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this into an exercise. I didn't have this plan. But write one or two things you need to quit doing. It's the kind of things, it's the kind of things that pulls you down right now or holds you. Keeps you in the same place. Keeps you from the next glory. Write one of two things that you believe they're, they're, you need to quit doing. It may be even gossip. It may be expectations for promotions. That holds a lot of people down. There's a lot of problems with that, especially in staff. When they, when they see somebody else promoted, they, they believe that they are supposed to get that promotion. When, when they forget that promotion comes from God, and God has a timing for each one of us. And the longer they, He keeps you on the potter's house, the, the better it is for you. Because He prepares you for a greater assignment. Greater assignment, greater work within you. So, longer time. Don't get in a hurry. Maybe other things. Maybe watching TV late into the night. Maybe pornography. Maybe um, some stuff that I don't know. One or two things that you believe, and it's just between you. I mean, write very small. Write in Chinese so nobody understands. <laughs> and, and and really, don't write something that you, you know. Sometimes we write. The living room kind of stuff, not the closet kind of things. I want the closet kind of things. And if you don't write them down, just, just make sure they come up now in your mind. If you're, if you're ashamed, just say, okay, Lord, I know where they are. Because you know. That's clear. Because the Holy Spirit has been, has been talking.
also write one or two areas that you need to be disciplined. Write one or two areas that you should be more disciplined on. And now you can write this statement. What would make me a better leader or a better Christian is that I stop doing this, and you write what you need to stop doing, and start doing this. Because we're going to do something with it. How many, how many of you, after you wrote this down, you want to you wanna turn this sentence into a promise to God? Into like, Lord, this is a promise I made to you. With your help, because it's through, through His Spirit. Paul makes it clear. It's not through his, our ambitions. We, we will not be able to do it, truly. None of us. It's through His Spirit. It's through us. We get closer to Him. And you will see that He gives you power and everything you need to fulfill your promise. Now, There is a difference between a promise and a covenant. Most of the people I do counseling with, they tell me they've been trying to quit something for a long time. And uh, I asked them, do you, do you promise, did you promise yourself you're going to do this? And they said, yes, for, for, for many years. I promised myself I'm going to quit this, but somehow it comes back. And then I asked them, I said, okay, did you promise, did you talk to somebody? Yes, I talked to somebody. And, and, and um, what really changed my life is that when I turn from promise to covenant, and if you study the word covenant, it's, well, what kind of agreement? Because covenant, it's, it is an agreement. It's a holy, it's a protection, but there is, you know what that word covenant means? It's the strongest, the deepest soul connection with the person you said you're going to do this. It's not just a promise. Promise can be, or agreement can be mental. It's like a contract. It's like, I'm, I'm going to stop doing this. Covenant, it's something deep. It's a heart-to-heart -heart commitment. And then you, you really, and that changed my decisions or my promises to God. Now I think, is this a promise or is this a covenant? And I tried to make them all covenant because I've seen the results of it. You know what was the results of it? Once I took a co covenant to God, with God on something, this is a grace that come upon me that is unbelievable. It's almost like, not almost, it's pure truth. He comes and he says, I got your back. Not only that you decided to do something good, but now you have me covering you with what you decide. Because it's not just a, a good understanding between us. It's a covenant. Have you, how many of you been in gangs? I remember when I was in my little gangs. You're talking about covenants? You're talking about like, I did even a blood covenant. You cut yourself with the here, 
and the other one cuts himself in the other direction, and then you put your hands like this, and you let the blood run, and it says, I got you. I cover you. I'm going to, if, if something goes bad to you, I'm going to cover you. That's covenant. Well, Jesus does it a thousand times better, not even a million, billion, thousand times better because he covers us in his blood. But our part is the Lord say, I want to I wanna turn this into a covenant. And for the next year of my life, this would be my covenant to you. And make it a 12 months covenant. Make it like, look, first of all, really, really well, because when it comes to covenant, you got, before you say yes to the Lord, make sure you waited pretty good. The Bible says that when you're ready to build a tower, you have to count the cost. Very interesting. It's the wisdom of God. We have to say, Lord, am I willing, truly willing? And if you're not, be honest, be vulnerable. Just go to God and say, I'm not, I don't know why I'm not willing to do this, Lord. Is it my flesh? Is it my wineskin, my mentality? What is it? Because I don't feel like doing a covenant right now. Do you think the Lord will say, I can't believe it, saying this, <laughs> disgrace. Do you think the Lord will respond to that? Or he's like going to take you in his arms and go, I, I know the, the weakness of the flesh. I know the mind and come on over here. And he takes you in his arms and will speak to you, embrace you, and suddenly out of love, not out of duty, you will say, now it's a covenant. It's from the heart. But be honest. Keep it honest all the time. Now, I don't know if you have a person here that you can talk, but we can take, we still have about 10 minutes or five minutes. You okay if you don't have anybody to really talk about this, like your covenant or your what you wrote down? But I think it should be nice to to take a little time because I, we are so I think we are so human that we are so happy this is over now and we don't do anything with it. And uh, it's a good time to really stop and say I want to share with somebody. Maybe again, maybe your husband and wife, maybe a, a friend. But let's. Let's, let's take a few moments and, and do this.